0: Hi everyone. Today I'm joined by my good friend Martine Campbell. Are we a starting?
1: First... Did we just start? Yeah. Oh shit. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> should uh, we should do it again? <laughs> yes, of course.
0: I... Well, let's try that again. Hi everyone. Today I'm joined by my good friend Martine Campbell. Hello. A first-year <laughs> physics student and aspiring future astronaut. Today we're going to discuss all things existential, from the origin of the universe to the very end of it. So, as such, it is only befitting to start at the very beginning. So, Martine, uh, or Miss Campbell, <laughs> we're just going to get straight to it. What okay. came before the Big Bang? What do you think came before the Big Bang? Alrighty, so obviously this is an open question up to your imagination right now because you don't have the answers or else you <laughs> wouldn't be here right now. You'd probably be at right. Noble Minds 2020 getting yes, your Nobel Prize. Absolutely. Hopefully you will get one in the future. I we'll hope see. so too. But let me start with what I feel like the common idea shaped for this question is right now in the physics community, which mm-hmm. is, if time itself began with a big bang, then how could we even ask this question to begin with? Because the era of time itself would have, would have not existed. So mm-hmm. it's not possible. Or is it possible? I feel like it's this is a hardly satisfying theory because we don't know the answer. And this is an attempted guys, at explaining it by just saying, oh, you know what, the arrow of time did not exist, so we can't even ask this question. So what do you think about that? And do you think this is one of the cases where you perfectly, we have this analogy, which we call the anti-hypothesis?
1: I was just thinking about the anti-hypothesis. Do you want to
0: explain what that is to yeah, our viewers? Yeah,
1: absolutely. To be honest, I, I actually had two trains of thought. The first is that we're talking about time and how time couldn't have existed before the Big Bang. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you look at a lot of different philosophers, a lot of them believe that time is just a construct and um, a human thing. So Mm. I don't know if we can exactly use time in this scenario because we're not even sure if time really truly exists. But doesn't that just
0: show a huge flaw in basically everything since we have based the space-time continuum yeah. concept to every single human creative yeah. physics law ever.
1: Absolutely. I mean, it's thinking about time, especially in this way, is really difficult because time makes sense to us and it's so familiar to us. We base our life around time, but mm. there's still a lot that we don't really know about time. And when you think about The definition of time it's really really hard to Mm -hmm. describe um when I took grade 12 philosophy that was um I forget who it was but I think he was a religious figure Mm -hmm. I can't exactly remember who because Mm -hmm. it's not really important to my life right now (laughs) to have that memorized but um one of his ideas about time or something that he said about it was nobody can exactly describe what it is so that's you know part of it that makes it difficult to think about what came before the big bang because that involves time mm. um and it also reminds me of our ant hypothesis and this is kind of something that yasmin and i were talking about one day and i've never heard anybody label it anything i've never heard of this theory before so we mm-hmm. just kind of called it the ant hypothesis and i think we were just talking on the school bus one day and mm. we just kind of came, came up, up with it, it. yeah so Basically, it's where, you know, we as humans are trying to talk to ants and we say to them or we try to explain to them the concepts of physics, the concepts of mathematics, our mm-hmm. way of life. And we try to articulate that to them in any way possible. Mm-hmm. And ants will never Understand, Mm -hmm. we will never be able to get through to them just because it goes over their head, it completely goes over their head. There's different levels of intelligence, there's Mm -hmm. no way to communicate our ideas and our human constructs to an ant. Mm -hmm. Likewise, I think there are a lot of concepts and a lot of things that exist in the universe that we as humans will never be able to understand, and Mm -hmm. even if some higher powered being tried to explain these to us, I don't think it would ever register with sense. us. We just wouldn't have the capacity to even understand, understand it. it. It's kind of like, um, you know, how a lot of people think um, aliens exist. I mean, obviously there's so much evidence for there being extraterrestrial life forms mm-hmm. and it's very, very, very possible that they do exist. But if they tried to make contact with us, how could we be sure that we would understand their way of communication? They could mm. be sending all of these signals, but because it's way past our level, we we just you know wouldn't even know they're there. They could be all around us. Mm. It's just we're the ants, and the, the aliens multiverse. are humans. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But that's a very loaded question. Mm. I I really um, I I have no idea what could come before the Big Bang. It's almost like mm. asking someone try to imagine another color you Mm. just you You can't can't. you can't so there's nothing I can personally think of that would have come before it I genuinely have no idea
0: or perhaps it could be like the times before our birth where we we don't know what happened before we were born
1: Mm. and we
0: don't remember and it's irrelevant to us yeah. It's just a state of nothingness or a state where we don't remember what happened there. Mm-hmm. That could possibly be something. But I think it's definitely wise for scientists, especially to, to just say, I don't know when you don't yeah, know.
1: definitely to say, we just don't know. And I think even if we found out or if we could determine the answer to this Somehow. question, would we want to know it? Because there's, there's again, two parts to this. It's like the more we solve the more questions we now have to ask. Like when you solve one problem, it leads to a million million other problems. And then, you know, when we do find the answer to that problem, what if we don't like that answer and it's devastating for all of humanity? It's like if we were to search for God and to see if heaven really exists and if there Mm -hmm. really is a God, you know? Um, And when I say God, I don't just mean Mm -hmm. uh, the Catholic definition of God. I mean, whatever religion kind of has a,
0: a higher Construct. power being or, yeah.
1: you know, there are different gods like you of Allah, you know, you have all these different um, constructions of God. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we were to determine whether or not he's real, whether or not this being is real and whether or not heaven and afterlife exists, mm-hmm. if we don't like the answer to that, what will happen for human life? It could end in chaos. Mm-hmm. So, you know. It's kind of scary to pursue Mm. these answers and you have to think about whether or not it's worth it to know what came before. Mm.
0: Yeah. And that's one of the cross sections that you get, especially when you get into physics, because people, especially physicists, oftentimes they really set the line of like, okay, I'm an atheist, for instance, and I won't even consider that possibility. I'm just going to look strictly into science. As a
1: science, yeah. we have
0: to come to terms with, you know, what's... The science might not be an able explanation. Able to explain. There's so There's much. Because it's dependent on our human intelligence. Yeah. And it does, is not inclusive of alien intelligence or divine um, intervention exactly. or things of that nature. Yeah, so. science
1: will never be able to explain everything. And, you know, being a physics student and mm-hmm. believing completely in science, I'd still like to think that there is something out there. I mm-hmm. mean, as a human, it's hard not to... Think, think that. that there is a plan for us and that, you know, there's more beyond this life. I think it'd just be morbid to think that there's nothing beyond mm. this plane We are pitch born black. to die. Yeah. To, to think about life in such a mundane way is just, you know, mm. terrible. I'd like to think there's something after. I just have no idea what it is. Mm. Yeah. Okay.
0: <laughs> well, let's. into the deeper depths which is what is inside a black hole tell me oh my god what did i say (laughs) (laughs) so i'll just give some background Mm -hmm. even though you don't need it Mm -hmm. Um, we know that black holes are areas of space where gravity for some reason exerts an enormous pull on basically anything surrounding it and nothing can escape its force, um, whether that's light or any other signal or any other kind. If we don't get into the nitty gritty physics of what a black hole emits with like Hawking radiation and all that, um, let's just say that nothing can escape. And since nothing can get out, what do you think is fundamentally inside that singularity perhaps of a black hole? Do you think that there's a gate to Narnia. Do you think that <laughs> it's a portal to essentially another world like that one? Or um, just, in, again, a situation where we met with it's a situation before the era of time exists yeah. kind of thing where we're just like, you know what, I, I don't
1: know. Yeah. Um, um, again, similar to the previous question, I personally can't even begin to fathom what's what do you inside. Think is inside what do i think um okay well just looking at the different regions of a black hole um we know that everything you know light and matter gets compressed into a single point called a singularity um And every time we've tried to mathematically define the singularity, it results in infinity. So Mm. we can't describe the conditions and precise location of a singularity yet. Mm. It always results in infinity. Um, So I know, you know, what we have so far, the singularity is, I guess, the furthest that we've gone in terms of understanding a black hole, Mm. like in terms of the regions of a black hole, past the singularity like um what happens to objects inside like i i know that everything gets shredded and destroyed but um yeah i i can't even begin to guess for me i have some
0: (laughs) speculations of my own okay (laughs) i think that at the center of a if we can let's just say that there's a center right like okay. ignoring the asymptotic behavior of a singularity with infinity
1: okay.
0: or maybe just infinity itself. I, yeah. I don't know. This is getting abstract, <laughs> but I feel like I read this somewhere, but each piece of data. So we know when it goes past the event horizon of a black hole, it gets getified and then the form of the matter changes or something like that. Mm-hmm. But the data itself is always stored for some reason i read this somewhere i'm not sure if it's true the data
1: is stored but
0: let's just imagine like the molecules that contain the data for the thing that it coded for in space so say a carbon molecule or a nitrogen blah 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 that data still gets stored in the molecule but it gets warped into Mm -hmm. some different form when it goes through the spaghettification (laughs) process right right but that data is still there so I feel like at the singularity of a black hole is just an endless repository of just misconstrued data of things that were out there in space and got sucked into it. So when you go in, if you don't die, hopefully, mm-hmm. um, I think you probably yeah, would. You probably would most likely um, you would just basically be in a space of just infinite knowledge. See, this is, I like a ph- I want a philosophical spin to this. Okay. I don't accept I don't accept that. Data just gets spaghettified and everything is lost.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, my personal belief is that, you know, after things are past the singularity, mm-hmm. everything just gets completely ripped to shreds. I mean, but I guess, energy
0: cannot be destroyed. Energy can only be converted or. Yes, transferred. energy
1: can only be converted, but it doesn't mean. That you know, light and matter doesn't get, I guess, even though it's destroyed. Like it's, it's almost like you put something in a blender, like the fruits or whatever mixture you put into a blender. It's not gone. It's just destroyed and mm. just all. I, I I don't know. Like, like you, you know, what I'm talking about. Like it's all form. liquefied. I
0: guess that's what I mean by the data is still there's memory of the data, but it's just. Different yeah. form
1: yeah like it's all mm-hmm. blended together almost
0: so what do you think again there's no clear answer but right when a black hole starts to dissipate and we know this is uh possible through hawking radiation eventually just stuff starts um like the black hole spreads its particles and eventually dissipates mm-hmm. do you think then that data that has been blended per se comes out into out to the universe and is reutilized or well what? I don't
1: know. I mean, because we know um, through the laws of conservation of energy, we know that... Well, okay, when I say we know the laws of conservation of energy, we haven't exactly been able to test all of these laws really deep into space. But so far, the laws that we know on Earth, a lot of them tend to be universal. I mean... Uh, there, There is like a whole debate on um, Einstein's theory of relativity, for example, and mm-hmm. how it does fail when we look at extremes of gravity. So when you have a lot of gravity or very, very little gravity, his laws fail. And at first we hypothesized that there was just a flaw in his theory and that it was only relative to Earth. But then, you know. Now we've looked into dark matter and the discovery of dark matter, and we have had tests that prove the existence of dark matter. So I personally believe that the laws we know and we study are universal. Then mm. again, I'm also a first year physics student, so, mm. you know, I haven't studied everything and I yeah. don't know everything perfectly. But from what I've learned, a lot of them do tend to be universal. Mm. Um, Yeah, so I think the laws of conservation of energy do hold throughout the universe. So it it has to be reused somewhere. I don't know where that place is. I don't know how it gets reused. But somehow, somewhere, it should get converted,
0: Mm -hmm. I believe. Yeah. I think that's a fair answer. Yeah. Okay, so let's shift to a (laughs)
1: more... um...
0: Okay, these questions are all very like, I feel abstract. I feel
1: like I'm not even qualified. Yeah, to, you're not
0: qualified, but I want I'm the answer. I'm definitely answers.
1: not qualified to even I want to make sure talk that. about these questions. Because I'm still very early in my studying. Mm. So, you know, everything I talk about, like, I mean, there, there's a lot that I am confident on talking about. Mm. But then there's still some stuff that, um, you know, I've just touched... The surface of mm-hmm. like i'm just at the surface level of you know a lot of these because mm-hmm. when you go into first year astronomy and i'm not talking about the fun astronomy that some people take like when you want to know like a bit about the planets in the universe i'm talking about hardcore mathematical specialty astronomy they don't start off with like you know hawking radiation and black holes and all this stuff they you know start you out with here's a telescope this is how we use a telescope this is a parsec. This is how mm. we can measure the distance to the sun. They really start you off with the rudimentary basics of um, space, and they start you out with, you know, what you can see from Earth. So hopefully, mm. as I learn more throughout the years, I'll be able to answer these questions with Yay. more
0: precision. <laughs> Follow-up episodes
1: coming soon. Yeah. <laughs> yearly annual feature yeah no i I wish i could answer more about it and i knew more about these subjects but in the future i'm sure i can Mm -hmm. yeah i mean
0: the the crazy thing is that a lot of physicists who have spent essentially their lifetimes just researching these questions are still so humble about it because they Mm -hmm. have taken essentially a mission to uncover some of the that the largest, existential yeah. questions of yeah. our humanity. So yeah. it's always good to be humble about it, which I like. <laughs> so do you think we are alone in the universe?
1: And no. we know...
0: No, okay, good, because we know <laughs> that there's at least two trillion galaxies in only our observable universe, and we yeah. talked about this before. Mm-hmm. Um, but this doesn't account for things that I'm a favor a fan of, which are leading theories about the existence of a multiverse. <laughs> yeah, the eyebrows go up. It's a multiverse, <laughs> but yeah, that number would definitely increase exponentially if we did prove the existence of, of a multiverse.
1: multiverse. Yeah. But uh, what do you think? Um, so of course, no, I don't believe that we are alone in the universe. Like Mm. we look at Mars and we can see that there are frozen ice caps. So, we know, you know, there have been conditions for life to exist on Mars at some point in time. So it's extremely probable that, you know, there were biological organisms living on Mars and, Mm. you know, with the plethora of galaxies and planets that we have, I mean, I'm, I'm 100% sure there are life forms. I mean, it's no question whether or not there are intelligent life forms and whether or not there are UFOs like the ones that we think of when we see TV shows or whatever. That's a bit more of a difficult question because it's a lot more likely that there aren't intelligent life forms than there being intelligent life forms, because if you look at the conditions that had to exist on earth in order for us and other organisms to exist, they're next to impossible. You know, like we shouldn't mm. even be here right now. Like the conditions for um, the distance of the star from the planet, the mm. size of the star from the planet, all of these different things. Mm. Um, they're
0: like if- too perfect.
1: Exactly.
0: Like the measurements that we see between earth and just the sun, if, if, Earth was just a little bit closer, a little bit farther, or a l- slightly tilted, like by in like insane, minuscule Really, amounts, really small
1: increments. We would be, then we'd
0: be gone. We'd be blazed, or we'd be frozen. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's, it's exactly too perfect. Which is what's happening? Exactly, like the the conditions for life to exist. Like everything in the universe is so hostile, mm. and to think about, you know. Life forms developing to the level that we are where we can question our existence and our morality mm. is really unlikely. So while I don't doubt that there are, um, you know, UFOs, they're definitely not the ones that we think of, mm. you know, when we watch Movies. TV or whatever. Um, that's that's the scientific person in me saying that because you look at the statistics and it's not likely that we have intelligent beings at our level or higher
0: that are within our reach though
1: yeah yes that are within our reach um but then also the dreamer in me and the person who likes to think about the possibility of this stuff Mm um you know I think it would be really cool if that was true and Mm -hmm. I, I mean I'd like to think that's true I mean even my mom she believes that she's seen a ufo and i definitely believe her story and there's a lot of really strange conspiracy like conspiracies unexplainable things in the world like on our earth Mm. i mean we have ancient paintings that literally have designs of cigar shaped you know ufo ships or i shouldn't say ufo unidentified unidentified flying objects yeah it's like kind of redundant to say UFO, UFO. <laughs> But there are ancient paintings where you can see UFOs, like the ones that people have been claiming to see, you know, all through history. And it doesn't make sense that they would have these ideas, you know, unless mm. they saw this in the sky somehow. So there's a lot of unexplainable things in our world. And I guess the presence of, you know, intelligent aliens i guess um could explain some of them
0: yeah i think the same i definitely the size of the universe is just it would be ridiculous not to consider the probabilities of another life form and even though we see those environments being hostile we know that in the very preliminary age of just the earth there was there were very Mm -hmm. prokaryotic bacteria who were living there in the most hostile of conditions and we yeah. you know that some archaea bacteria and extremophiles can survive in such crazy conditions. Um, conditions. Yeah. So just from seeing that in little influence on Earth, I think it's mm-hmm. could be exponentially present in so many different universes and planets. And yeah, it's it's yeah. a lot to think about. Absolutely. And again this comes back to the ant hypothesis
1: Yeah, exactly. Like if there were intelligent beings and they were trying to send us signals Mm. or trying to communicate with us, would we even have the capability of seeing that and understanding them? Like they could be all around us. We just Mm. can't physically understand them or Mm. notice their presence, Mm. you know?
0: And all we can do right now is just keep doing what we're doing. Keep which progressing
1: is, scientifically. Yes, yeah. sending
0: the rockets out there and mm-hmm. doing, I think, what was the um, probe that got, I think the Cassini probe that had the little gold plate that had data embedded in gold or something like that. They okay, had photos yeah. of humans like yes,
1: yeah. looking ice
0: cream and yeah. some Beethoven music and all that. <laughs> I don't know why in the world you would send a photo of a person eating ice cream to space. It's a happy image. If an alien comes and brings contact but yeah, it's, yeah. i suppose yeah <laughs> um, but i feel like those are the dreamer projects that you said that yeah. scientists often portray in these fun little missions to, yeah you know maybe yeah it's like find someone
1: out there yeah even though we know it's more likely that there aren't intelligent life forms that are at our level or higher mm-hmm. i mean we still like to dream and think that it is possible and mm so much on earth can't be explained with um the physical concepts we have and we use mm. so yeah and kind of going back to what you're saying about the cassini probe mm-hmm. right so i know that, google
0: that yeah yeah
1: i know we also have used hydrogen to send out signals to see if aliens could respond to us and we haven't gotten anything back yet but yeah
0: I just want to make sure that I'm saying the facts, you know. 2020 is going to be, be the year of facts and not lies. No yes, fake news.
1: 100%. No fake news. We're done with that.
0: <laughs> probe with gold light. Message to contact outer life. <laughs> yeah, this is it. The Voyager 2 is what I was saying, not the Cassini probe. So it okay. travels through the outer layers of the heliosphere to carry message for extraterrestrial life in the form of a six by nine inch gold aluminum plaque designed by Carl Sagan, which we all love mm-hmm. with um, the earth poem. That's what I meant. <laughs> all right. So let's end this uh, existential part with how do you think the universe will end? And to start off, I'm going to give you a good prompt. Okay. For options from right. what we know. So the four ways that the universe could end... Your first option is the big rip. Mm-hmm. And under this scenario, dark energy, which we don't really know what that is, we mm-hmm. kind of hypothesize, but essentially, dark energy will keep pulling the universe apart at an ever accelerating speed until everything in the universe, including the individual atoms themselves, pull themselves apart. So that's the first option. Mm-hmm. The second one is the big freeze. Uh, similar to the big rip, if the expansion of the universe continues, the planets, the stars, and galaxies will be pulled so far apart that the stars will no longer have access to the raw material for star formation, thus making the lights inevitably go out for good. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting contender. Mm-hmm. Um, the third one, which I'm a fan of, no bias, but the <laughs> big crunch. The good news to this one is that the universe is finally able to halt the expansion that is threatening to pull it apart. The bad news for the Big Crunch is that it will now begin to collapse in on itself, potentially sparking another Big Bang. Mm. Um, I think that's a good ending. I like that one. The Big (laughs) Slurp. As the Higgs findings allude to, the universe is likely inherently unstable, which could make way for a vacuum metastability event to occur. I don't even know what that means, but... (laughs) Okay. <laughs> kind of like you being stuck in a vacuum.
1: yeah, sounds sounds very interesting. Um one thing I was kind of thinking of is, you know, when you're talking about the Big Crunch, mm-hmm. I wonder if this has happened to the universe before? like countless numbers of times. Like, what if we just keep on teeter- tottering between the big Crunch, big Bang, Big, big Crunch, big, big bang. bang? And it keeps happening and happening and happening. Yes, you know? I'm pretty sure that's also another theory that the universe has been created and destroyed multiple times. Maybe that's
0: why love stories are so popular. Get it? Because like the girl is usually with the guy, then the guy and the girl separate and then they come back. Right. So that's the universe that's being embodied through our human behavior. It all 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 makes sense. sense. (laughs) Yes.
1: Everything is making sense now. Noble
0: Minds 2020, we're coming.
1: 100%. (laughs) Yeah. Um, if I had to, I guess, weigh in on this, mm-hmm. I personally believe that the universe will just continue to expand. Maybe that's just the optimist in mm-hmm. me because I don't want to think about our universe ending. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's also like something really scary to think about. So the optimist in me thinks that it will continue to expand. Um, and no ending, just forever. Yeah, but okay. also I think... The big crunch sounds quite plausible as well as the big freeze. I think those Mm. two really stick out to me. Mm. Yeah. I like the big
0: crunch. I really do. Because not only just philosophically, it's it's nice to just imagine this image of the universe starting from a little point and then ending at a little point. It just seems perfect. And we know that the universe has a certain balance to it. So I feel like this would be the perfect way to honor that. And we know that the universe has always favored entropy where you're just disorderliness everywhere. Mm-hmm. At the end, I feel like it would be our experiences as teenagers where parents would tell us to clean our room and we have to bring it all back together. We clean the room up. But it, it eventually gets messy. Gets messy.
1: Yeah. So. And you just keep teeter-tottering between those yes. two extremes yeah and
0: then eventually the universe is like you know what i need to clean my room and yeah it brings it back in exactly <laughs> and then explodes it back out yeah so the like
1: universe is just like a teenager basically
0: basically yeah, yeah.
1: that's makes sense. perfect
0: i mean we're just making revolutions over here
1: absolutely the intersection
0: between human philosophy and space
1: yeah definitely yeah
0: i'm definitely a fan of the big crunch
1: mm-hmm. for sure me too yeah it seems likely
0: all right. You heard it here first. <laughs> so now we're going to get a bit more personal.
1: Okay, um, great.
0: <laughs> so what made you want to pursue physics?
1: Um. Okay, well, when I was younger, I never really considered myself to be a mathematical or science type of person, but... I took physics in grade 11 Mm -hmm. and there was just something about it that I really fell in love with. And I think it's because it's like the mathematical language of the universe and how Mm -hmm. everything works and you can see it in your everyday lives and you can apply it to every scenario. And it's just, it's amazing that we can describe things that are so stupid and simple, like Mm -hmm. walking, Mm -hmm. but, you know looking at walking, it's friction that allows us to move forward. It's like all mm-hmm. of these really cool ways to describe the everyday things we do. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I just think it's, it's applicable to every situation. Mm-hmm. And also, I think the math involved in physics is really fun because, Ooh. yeah, because when you're doing calculus, it's kind of hard to see the big picture. Like I think everyone in high school or wherever you Whatever level you're at, yeah. this thought, oh, my God, why do I have to do this? I'm never going to use this in my life. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all know that we need to use math in our everyday lives, but it's like, why do I have to create, you know, an equation for a parabola? Like, mm-hmm. what is this going to have to do with my life?
0: Um, you could argue it has to do with everything in your life because you that could. math is, is evident everywhere in life. Yes. And you see that, but you obviously you're not the one... Again, if you go back to creationism, you're not the one who's creating. Uh, yeah, things.
1: Yeah, you could definitely words, you could definitely words. say that, but in terms of creating yeah. an equation for it, mm. it's like, what? When am I going to use this yeah. ever again in my life? But for mm. physics, when we learn about certain concepts and just you know why certain things occur, it it is in our everyday life and we use that all the time. So I think it's a lot more clear than mm-hmm. math, at least for me. Like. I can see the big picture in physics and Mm. it's, I just think it's a lot more interesting, you know, Mm. like I'm sure there's a lot of people who find math more interesting than physics, Mm. but um, I just think it's really interesting to learn about. And Mm. yeah, the math is also fun behind it. Mm. And the other thing too, is sometimes the problems are so abstract and obscure and when you can solve those problems and figure them out, it makes you feel like a genius. Like it's (laughs) so gratifying because, um, I think math, I can see the pattern between problems, but physics, some of them, you just, you know, kind of have to pull the answer Mm. sometimes out Out of of nowhere. Yeah, out of intuition. And you really have to think outside of the box to answer Mm. a lot of the questions. So it really allows your brain to think in a different way than you normally would.
0: Mm. Yeah. I really like that you said that because a lot of the themes that I've seen with, people in higher education has always mm-hmm. revolved around evolving the way that you think about things and yeah. how you think fundamentally about things in different ways mm-hmm. and how you have to quite ironically or just strangely rely on your intuition at times. And that can often yeah provide insight that you could never see with just a simple formula or cheat yeah. sheet or something like that. So that's Absolutely. very, very, very interesting.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, So have you had any goosebumps goosebump moments when learning (laughs) physics? Uh, and if so, about what? It's this is a really good question because for me personally, when I just learned about how big the universe is and how small the observable universe is, I was just like,
1: Ah it just it takes your breath away, right? Crazy. Yeah.
0: Crazy, like that one is a major goosebump moment for me. Yeah, obviously.
1: there there have definitely been some moments where you know I'm in physics class, then all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, like, <laughs> no way, that is so cool. I'm trying to think about some of those moments. I can definitely recall moments I've had in my astronomy class, which also applies the concept of physics. Like mm-hmm. we use Kepler's laws and stuff like that, which also is used in physics. Mm-hmm. I think kinematics there were some moments where I was just like oh my god like this is so cool like when we had to do catch-up problems in grade 12 although they're horrible and like so annoying to do Mm -hmm. like piecing them together is just really smart and brilliant and I would Mm -hmm. see my teacher you know do the solutions for them it's like you have a person going at this speed Mm -hmm. and then you know someone I guess like a police officer wants to catch up to them yeah. and what time will that happen? And it's yeah. just like so cool that you can figure that out. Um, I've also had that moment when learning about electromagnetism. Oh,
0: I hated electromagnetism. Yeah, see,
1: a lot of people really hate oh, electromagnetism. Hate it. Hate it. And even our, our great teacher was like, okay, this is the hardest physics. Like, you're really going to have to try hard for this one. Like, you you need to write study notes and na na na." And at first it was so difficult, but I have never studied more than I did in grade 12 for like any other topic Mm -hmm. than I did for um, electromagnetism just because it was Mm -hmm. so hard and there was a huge learning curve for me. Mm -hmm. Um, But I thought, you know, some of the math behind it was just so cool. Like, you know, calculating things between two point charges, like, you know, like what distance do you place them in order for different scenarios? Like, I just thought, that was really, really interesting as well. And also dynamics is kind of cool. Like we, this this year, we actually had to learn about applying torque and rotational motion mm. to different situations. So mm. all throughout high school, they'll give you like... Um, linear problems. Yeah, like you'll have linear, you'll have 2D, but you'll have like, say, for example, a slope and two masses mm. connected by... A pulley and they're on the slopes and you know you have to work out something within that system mm. and they always used to say the mass of the rope is negligible and pretend that the pulley is frictionless mm. now we don't have those same scenarios like we're dealing with torque and we're dealing with the rotational motion of mm. pulleys and it's just like you know all these different things so I think that was also really real cool yeah that was also pretty cool to learn about as well mm. Yeah,
0: that sounds very fun. Very fun.
1: Sometimes. Very fun. Only sometimes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> At the end of the day, you are learning a fundamental truth about yeah. how the universe works. So yeah, it's it's definitely a admirable initiative. Yeah. You know. Yeah, a lot you. of people. I'm pretty sure a lot of people cannot say that because <laughs> yeah, physics yeah, a lot, is lot of people hate reputation. it yeah i I loved physics but just the
1: electromagnetism yeah like like at all that stuff yeah it does it does become a little crazy and i I know when my parents friends would see me and they're asking me about what i'm learning in school and i'm like oh yeah i'm you know taking physics and i love physics all of them have the same reaction yeah ew Ew." what (laughs) what do you mean like what are you doing but Mm. um I mean, it's it's really good to know it, though, because, you know, getting a degree in physics or, you know, just taking physics, I feel like you can use that in so many different fields mm. and different careers. Like you can't go wrong with, you know, having some background in physics mm. definitely helps. Mm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So besides physics, what are most of the courses that you see yourself taking as a physics student?
1: Yeah, um, so definitely physics. And the physics that I'm in is, I guess, the more um, advanced physics in um, our university. So we do get to learn about space-related physics, mm. which is really cool. Yes. Yeah, so that's really cool. Um, astronomy, mm-hmm. definitely. Um, I also think biology mm. is quite interesting because I'd really like to get a degree in biophysics mm-hmm. as well. Um, math, surprisingly, sometimes math is fun because you can just, you know, put on your music, have a tea and just, you know, work on and the work problems. On it. And it's almost like a meditation sometimes. Like if my life is getting really hectic, I can just sit down, concentrate and focus on my problems. And it's like everything outside of that just disappears. Disapace, Cause yeah. it's like, it takes so much mental energy to solve them and Mm -hmm. just focus on that so that's also great um Mm -hmm. I mean I guess anthropology is interesting you know humanities and sociology and you know social sciences they're always Mm -hmm. interesting and good to learn about philosophy Mm -hmm. is interesting as well um Mm I think just anything, everything. anything I can learn about, mm. you know, is interesting. I think it's nice. it's great to learn about as many topics as you can learn about, mm. because then you can relate to more people. You can hold a conversation about, you know, almost anything that way.
0: That's very important. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You don't want to just always talk about
1: one, just one thing. thing,
0: because oftentimes when you look at great thinkers and are not our,
1: they're just, well-versed yeah right? great thinkers yeah.
0: often find solutions to things from places that they could have never you know expected yeah um, that's very very nice i like that because i was expecting like honestly i was just expecting a lot of physics and a lot of math which there is a lot of physics and yeah a lot of math but definitely also the balance of other things of humanities and society yeah are very very nice as well yeah so awesome <laughs> So which career do you want to pursue in physics particularly? Like what's on your thought palette right now? What are you looking
1: forward to? Oh, God. <laughs> to? Oh, my God. That is crazy to think about. Um, I feel like I've always bounced between different career paths. Like... Mm-hmm when I was younger, I wanted to be an esthetician, and then I wanted to be a nutritionist, and then What's I wanted an aesthetician? to... esthetician? Esthetician is like nails, hair, makeup, oh. stuff along those lines. Like, I've always wanted to do different things. So, who knows? My opinion could change tomorrow, but um, for the past little while, I would either really like to become a physicist, you know, maybe become a professor and teach physics, um, uh, astronaut, absolutely. It's really important to have a you know basis or background in physics if mm-hmm. you want to become an astronaut um you know astronomy astrophysics there's a lot of jobs in biophysics as well like you can get into ai mm-hmm. um and there's definitely a lot of career opportunities like in the medical field mm-hmm. because we Nuclear use
0: physics yeah
1: we we use a ton of physics in the medical world like we use mm-hmm. optics for surgical instruments and mm. so yeah there's a lot of career options in that as well so something within that realm definitely mm. which yeah. one is
0: the most like what Appealing. would you yeah what would you want to do if the chances were just guaranteed
1: okay um astronaut i think either astronaut or um a physics professor physics astronaut professor. physics professor an astronaut would be really cool but then you have the danger of dying in space although i think by the time i would That's become cool an astronaut death, it on. is it is a good way to die you know <laughs> um i guess it's you know a little bit better than you know like the death roller coaster or the euthanasia yeah. roller coaster i mean oh my god okay <laughs> have you heard about the euthanasia roller coaster no no it's like a hypothetical roller coaster that a physicist created and there's a model of it and you have seven loops basically
0: you know seven is like the universal number it's a it's a really? very yeah it's like the universe's favorite number like really? it's a lucky number it's a that's thing that's so
1: interesting like this
0: is not pseudo it's just a thing that the Seven universe has always favors. been my
1: favorite number i mean perfect. april 17th my birthday perfect. love the number seven yeah so. seven is a Makes magical perfect magical sense. number So the euthanasia roller coaster is just, it's like a hypothetical and Mm. there is a design of it. And I'm pretty sure there's like a a model as well. And it's seven loops and each loop gets smaller and smaller and smaller, Mm. increasing the G-force on a person until the G-force is too much for them to handle and they die, like on the last loop. Where is this happening? It's not happening. It's just like, it was just, I guess, an idea that a physicist came up with because... Um, if they design this roller coaster, it would be a way to allow the person to experience, you know, euphoria and thrill before they have to die. die. <laughs> yeah. Wow. yeah. So that's another application of physics. Um, but um, I, I think dying in space, <laughs> Yep. I think dying in space might be a slightly better way. Both both are terrible. Why are we talking about dying?
0: Because death <laughs> is imminent. It is.
1: That is the deal
0: that we strike when we are born. But then again, we never struck the deal. Or maybe we struck the deal but we don't remember striking the deal.
1: Who knows at this point, right? Yes. Who was yeah, I even so, talking about <laughs> becoming uh, an astronaut. astronaut. Yeah. Um, Why do you want to be an astronaut? I think ever since I was little, I've always had this calling, and I felt like there's something big and important that I need to do with my life. And mm. I've also always had a dream of making a huge contribution to the scientific community and becoming a prominent figure within mm. this community. Miss Campbell. Doctor hopefully hopefully one day um and i also think by the time i would become an astronaut you know that this is a long time Mm -hmm. because it takes years and years and years it would probably be a lot more safe and maybe even commonplace Mm -hmm. to travel to space obviously like you know close to earth Mm -hmm. not in outer space but what no i mean it's i don't think it'll become commonplace to go like outer space like into deep space but you know like mars is not does you count mars as near here i mean i think that yes that that will be possible but to go really deep into space like that won't become commonplace i know we're even um thinking of i don't know i think there's a plan to create this large tower that actually goes into space yeah the elevator elevator that goes into space so it will become commonplace um, and probably a lot more safe to go into space as well by the time mm. I would become an astronaut. So mm. I just think it would be really cool and amazing. Mm. And I I think when I was deciding careers, I told myself, well, I'm just going to go for one of the hardest jobs in the world. Mm. And I landed on astronaut. Why? I don't know. It combines everything I love, like physics and space. And I wanted to really challenge myself Mm. and push myself to the limits and see how far I could go. So Mm. why not go for something as crazy as becoming an astronaut? Mm. Why not see if I have what it takes and if I could do it? Mm. You know,
0: it's always good to have high expectations. And yeah. land maybe somewhere a little lower a little land lower but what you've landed on is it's still really good it's very very good
1: shoot for the stars and then you'll land somewhere pretty good yes yeah
0: that's very very nicely put thank you so what would you want to do on the international space stations so you said biophysics so would you want to investigate different life forms and how they behave in Mm -hmm. space yeah see how so i'm just recalling what i've read um Mm -hmm. and what astronauts usually do in space depending on their specialty right how organs how artificial organs behave in space what would you want to work on specifically or would you just want to do everything and just see how it goes
1: maybe the thing is i i'm not exactly sure um exactly what i would want to go into like i have the general direction of physics and biophysics Mm. um but i i'm not exactly sure what i would want to contribute Mm. you know by being on the space station but definitely Mm. investigating like biological molecules outer space or i shouldn't say outer space like um life forms mm. from different planets or whatever, investigating celestial objects as well. But mm. I, I don't really think that's what they do mm. on the ISS. Well maybe you will. Maybe in the future. Um mm. you know, becoming a part of the mission to Mars would mm. also be very interesting. I know that we want to create a habitat on Mars mm. and it'll be extremely difficult because, you know, there's talk of establishing an atmosphere on Mars and mm as elon musk put it there's there's you know the conventional way of doing it and then there's the shortcut and the shortcut is basically just nuking the ice caps in order to create an atmosphere that has co2 in it Mm. so that's like the shortcut um sounds good yeah so i mean there's there's all this talk of you know establishing um a colony on mars and how we could create our own atmosphere because you know right now it's Mm. absolutely not livable it's freezing on Mars, but our blood would boil mm. if we were to stand on it without a spacesuit. Mm. So definitely not livable conditions for us. But there are possible ways that we are thinking of, you know, creating Presumably. an atmosphere and, you know, um, making it habitable for humans. Mm. So that would also be very interesting to work on as well. Mm. Yeah, I
0: like that. I feel like every human at one point in their life has wanted to be an astronaut
1: yeah as just a little to see
0: kid? yeah just yeah. to see how everything looks like and as Carl Sagan put it in his famous poem mm-hmm. earth is but a blue dot in the distance it's mm-hmm. really just a little thing that becomes obsolete the further away you delve into space so it's yeah. nice to just leave where we've existed our whole lives but it's also um, very scary very dangerous very because dangerous. we we're meant to live on earth and that's it yeah i feel we're like are not meant to do be doing this other thing
1: humans definitely like to play the role of god yeah. and um i think push the limits sometimes because mm. you know i don't know if we're supposed to find the answer to all these questions we have like i don't mm. know if we're meant to know these and mm. Who knows? Maybe it's better to know the truth about the universe, but maybe it's also better to live in ignorance.
0: Ignorance and yeah. deal with the uncertainty.
1: Yeah. Ah, yeah. Uh, there's a lot
0: to think about. <laughs> a
1: lot to think about. Yeah, definitely.
0: Very well. So who are your biggest inspirations in physics?
1: My biggest inspirations in physics... Um, I really and this might sound kind of typical. I think everyone knows who this person is. If you have Stephen Hawking. Stephen Hawking. Love that old man. I know, right? He's so um, cute. He is, yeah, or he was, I guess we should say. <laughs> but um I mean I loved rest his rest in
0: peace, sorry. Yeah, yeah. His soul will live in our hearts.
1: It will definitely. Um, I loved his movie or I, I love the movie based on him theory of everything. Um hmm. I love to read about him. I even did a project on the grand unified theory and the theory of everything. And Me too. <laughs> yeah, and you know his theories are extremely brilliant. I don't know if we could ever create them. I don't think we can create a theory of everything, but it's very interesting to look at. I mean, He was the one who I think really propelled the idea of black holes, you know, with Mm -hmm. his Hawking radiation and everything. So yeah, I have a lot of respect for him as a physicist. Mm -hmm. Um, I really like, again, he's also um, very famous. Neil deGrasse Tyson. Neil deGrasse Tyson. Tyson. Yeah. Tyson. Tyson. Yeah. I love Neil deGrasse Tyson as well. Like I, I'm just reading one of his books right now and yeah, it's, it's, you know, awesome to read about his perspective on everything, and yeah, he's he's definitely a very brilliant person, and, and he's
0: extroverted.
1: Most businesses
0: yeah. like Hawking, yes, they were outward about their research and everything, but they were a little bit. But it's more easy. Into it's themselves. easy to be,
1: yeah. And from what I've seen, you know, being in a STEM program, you do tend to meet, you know, some more introverted people. Mm. But then again, you have people all over the spectrum in STEM nowadays. Mm-hmm you know, I think back in the day, it wasn't necessarily cool to be into the sciences. But now people don't really care about that. Like, Mm. they tend to go for what they want to go for. So I think that whole Mm. stereotype of a nerd who's into math and physics, that doesn't really hold true so much anymore. But yeah, I really like Neil deGrasse Tyson, especially because he can articulate himself very well. And he's also doing things that I'm interested in, you know, like, going on tv shows and Mm. discussing astrophysics and you know talking Mm. about space that's also something that i'm interested as well because Mm. think about it i mean how do all these movies based on space exploration and aliens like where do they yeah where do they they get these ideas from like they have to consult astrophysicists or Mm. physics people you know in order to make it scientifically accurate Mm. so it's also a really good career option to go into mm-hmm. as a physicist.
0: And it's a revolution right now because yeah. the media more than ever needs to focus on, again, facts and not fake lies. So it, scientists exactly. should have a huge presence Role in, media in media and definitely. policy making and all that. But that's another discussion for another time. But I think that image of not just being a scientist who's stuck in the lab and just churning out research papers but Mm -hmm. one that's going out making fun shows talking to kids talking to adults it makes it more enticing
1: for people as well like i think i think it makes physics and math and whatever um more relatable more more relatable and more attainable to people because Mm -hmm. a lot of people are really scared of physics Mm -hmm. and math but there's genuinely nothing to be afraid of for the Mm -hmm. longest time i was scared of math and i never thought Mm -hmm. i was good at it until I really gave myself a fair shot and then Mm -hmm. I started to do exceptionally well and then I'm like hey if I can do it anyone else can like I Mm -hmm. I went from being a really bad student and not doing well in school and then I decided you know what I need to give myself a fair shot Mm -hmm. and try and when you have that belief in yourself and that intrinsic desire to do well and to mm. understand the concepts of math you can do it mm. you know there's, it's
0: contagious
1: yeah there's nothing to be afraid of in math and physics mm. any anybody can do it mm. a lot of it also has to do with the right teacher and the right professor and if you have an awesome teacher that can explain it to you um in a way that fits your learning style, then it's mm. definitely possible to do well at it and to understand it. Mm. Yeah.
0: And oftentimes our generation especially looks to the internet for mentorship and mm. teaching. So these big figures who otherwise in any point of history would have been inaccessible to us unless we went to our local bookstore and picked up the latest you know, like, version of Scientific Digest or whatever, yeah. wouldn't have access to their content. Now it's readily available in each person's home mm-hmm. where they can just tune in to Masterclass, which is what we talked about before, yeah. or YouTube and have this great thinker right in front of them. Mm-hmm. Inspire them and teach them about concepts in such a different way than mm-hmm. the normal monotonous way of teaching and, and education, which really discourages a lot of people because it makes yeah. the content seem so boring when it really isn't. It
1: does when you know people are just, yeah. Reading it out loud, you know, yeah. not trying not trying to make it fun at all. Mm. And you know, I'm blessed to have had amazing physics teachers. Mm. Like one of mine, his name was Mr. Cure. And even during Christmas break, he came in for hours and set up all these really cool demos. Like he created wow. he created speakers out of um, solo cups, <laughs> and he created his own DC motor. All of these <laughs> different really cool stations and it just made physics so interesting like every day during class he would make us get up from our seats and do something as a class and we would have to like physically move and you know it just makes physics that much more like you said relatable relatable. yeah and it makes it easier to grasp you Mm -hmm. know yeah
0: and it's important to cultivate those really good teachers and provide them to everyone Yeah. yeah that's really the key here yeah. I think, yeah, that's a very good point. Very, yeah, very nice. Absolutely. Um, so besides those two, anyone else?
1: Anyone else? Um, I think, I think I also have a lot of respect for my astronomy professor. I mean, he's not a physicist, but in order to, you know, have your PhD in astronomy, you have to... Know yourself? You have to have taken physics all throughout and, you know, be really experienced in physics and super well-versed i mean Mm. even even in his office he has tons of books on physics like Mm. he even he even had this um book describing like moment of inertia so you know you you have to know your physics casual read yeah casual (laughs) read right just just a nice light read it was like all the different types of moment of inertia how to calculate moment of inertia all that type Mm. of stuff so i also have you know, a lot of respect for him. Like he's, Mm. he's in his eighties or seventies and he still has the passion for teaching it. Mm. And yeah, I think he tried to make it really fun and interesting for us. Mm. Um, I know he's really interested in spectroscopy, spectroscopy i don't know the right way spectroscopy to, spectroscopy thank you so spectroscopy <laughs> yeah so when he you know was teaching that subject he was really passionate about it and i really admire that and um after class a bunch of us would always go to his office and be like have you heard this theory about space or have you heard about planet mm-hmm. x this hypothetical planet you know that's um in our solar system but we can't see it you know Mm -hmm. all these different questions that we had for him and he would you know stay and explain for like you know half an hour 45 minutes Mm -hmm. so yeah made the learning worthwhile to have Mm -hmm. a really good professor like him yeah very very nice Mm -hmm.
0: i think more than ever in my life i was always dismissive of a teacher's role i was kind of like ah, whatever they'll teach it to me but i i know myself i can learn yeah. it by myself I don't need anyone
1: yeah
0: but when I really was met with very good teachers and professors right. I was just Blown away. dumbfounded by yeah. yeah not only the mental model that I built for myself and lost out on opportunities with other teachers but
1: mm-hmm.
0: just the insights and passions that they have yeah were incredible and their passions translated onto me and despite mm-hmm. something that I didn't think I was even interested in so
1: yeah.
0: you're definitely right in that regard And that's why those two figures, like Stephen Hawking and uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, we all feel so connected with, even though we've never met them. But Mm -hmm. they've helped us see something that we all inherently just are in love with, Mm -hmm. which is the existence of the universe and our beings and all that stuff. So,
1: yeah,
0: yeah, people are people are underrated sometimes. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So where do you see yourself in the future? That's a... Nice time travel question.
1: Right. Um, hopefully in the future. Um, I mean, how far in the future are we talking? If you had to put a timeline on it?
0: 90. What? Like grandma.
1: Grandma. Yeah, grandma. Oh my God. Okay. Talking
0: to your grandchildren on a nice Sunday evening with snow outside okay. and you eating, eating, you drinking hot chocolate and telling them your life story, you know?
1: Right. Okay. Um, (laughs) That is a nice image. Um, I think you know when I'm 90 years old, if I even live that long, um, I really hope to live on a nice, quiet ranch close to the lake and (laughs) have a bunch of animals. But I will have hoped that I can reflect on, you know, the amazing career I've had and the life I've shared with wonderful people, and I, I hope to have been, you know, an accomplished physicist or something along those lines. What like does a- that
0: look like? Like a Nobel Prize?
1: Oh, okay. Wow. Uh, um,
0: research? I know you said you like to investigate dark energy. I think a
1: discovery. You want a discovery? A discovery. Okay. Yeah, if I could discover something or if I could discover what dark matter is exactly mm-hmm. and create a precise definition of what it is or even define it mathematically. That would be amazing. Mm-hmm. I would be quite happy with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. that, Or just, you know, any discovery related to space or physics or science, I would be really happy with, mm-hmm. you know.
0: So with that being said, a life like that or a, a goal like that would... Mm-hmm probably foretell a future where you'd be in the lab a lot you'd be reading a lot you'd be doing math all the time Mm -hmm. um, and all of that so do you still think that process or feel obviously we won't know now but you will know in the future but do you feel like you'll still be excited doing that you know thousandth math problem or thousandth equation or all of that do you think that's appealing to you at this moment yeah
1: definitely because I I think, you know, we have to have something that keeps our brains young and keeps our brains thinking. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I want to live a long and healthy life. And I know in order to do so, you constantly have to be training your Mm -hmm. brain and doing math. I think, you know, constantly doing it really allows your brain to keep that sharpness about it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it definitely helps with longevity. Mm -hmm. And I think... Because I have the intrinsic desire to make a contribution. Mm. I would be motivated to keep doing that stupid, annoying, a thousandth calculation. That's admirable. Yeah.
0: So with that being said, this perseverance, mm-hmm. uh, which advice or what advice would you give for future physics students coming into the field?
1: Um, I think, you know, going into physics, I think you have to be sure that you like it and you have a genuine passion for it because I don't think it's something for the faint of heart um you know there are a lot of people who drop out early on just just because you know it's not like they, they it was like kind of fun in high school but then it's it starts to really ramp up and get hard and you have to have a passion for it in order to tolerate that and tolerate and enjoy the amount of work Mm. that comes with being a physics student. I think that's part of it. Like make sure you really enjoy it because again, you're in university. You should also choose something that you're passionate about and that you love to do because this Mm. is the rest of your life and you spend way more time at your job than you do with your family and doing anything else. So you have to love what you do and have the passion for it. Um, Mm. I'd also recommend, you know, read the lecture slides before class, ask questions, participate in in in-class things, raise your hand whenever you can, Mm -hmm. do all of the homework, you know, constantly review, like, you know, all of the advice that people give you in terms of studying habits, definitely apply those to physics. And physics is just practice, 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 like it's not a memorization-based course, it's practice and doing the calculations by hand, just practice Mm. a lot, and get the help when you need it, Mm. and you know, you should be just all right, like you you should be, sorry that came across weird, you should be just fine, Mm. yeah, um, you should be just fine if you do those things, and I think it Mm. also helps if you have a good study group as well. Like for my physics exam, we would do this thing where we went on mastering physics and we would select a problem and then one person goes in front of the board and solves it and we're watching them solve it and then we take turns Mm. for each problem. And then if they get it wrong, we'll look at it and be like, okay, where did this person go wrong Mm. Um, and try to figure out what exactly happened. So, Mm. you know, also having a study group really, really helps as well. Just stay Mm. on top of your stuff, stay focused and... You should be, you know, more than okay. Mm. Yeah. In
0: terms of the work ethic, did you find... So for me personally, I feel like with physics, you have to have a almost visualizer tool when you do the problems. And by yeah. that, I mean... Diagrams. Really just... Yeah, diagrams. But not only that, just closing your eyes and seeing mm. the event yeah. unfold in front of your eyes. Yes,
1: I think um, spatial awareness... And, you know, having creativity Mm. and being able to imagine the scenario, like when I'm dealing with a hard physics problem, Mm. I do a lot of the time close my eyes and think about it, play the scenario out of my head, maybe five Mm. or 10 times. Then I'll draw a diagram. If the diagram doesn't look right, you know, redraw it, Mm. draw it until it looks right, label all your forces, Mm. include all your givens look at the equations that involve the variables that you're given and then you piece it together like a puzzle but definitely being a visual person and creativity really really helps for physics problems yeah
0: i really like that aspect of physics because it's an intersection between very analytical things but also creativity Mm -hmm. um in the way that you see the problems that's yeah very nice yeah So what have you found are the benefits of studying physics in everyday life or along the lines of do you have a unique look on everyday things? Like a good example would have been when we were driving on the highway the other Mm -hmm. day and we were discussing the speed limit and how how engineers have built banked curves in highways to account for safety with different mm-hmm. car velocities. So mm-hmm. how do you see the world in that regard? Do you see the little free body diagrams of yeah. things falling from strangely, the buildings? Strangely,
1: strangely, I do. Like, um, you know, I see stuff falling and then, you know, you think of like, oh, what is the terminal velocity of that object? Mm-hmm. Um, definitely driving on the highway, the banked curve, like sometimes when I'm driving on the highway and I see a curve, it kind of scares me and I'm like, Oh my God, I'm going to have to slow down. Like I'm going so fast. But then I'm like, no, like the highways are designed in this way so that you can keep going fast while turning. And then I'm making the turn. I'm like, yeah, I don't, you know, really have to slow down making Mm. this turn. Like it's fine. They're engineered that way. Um, So for sure, banked curves, like with banked curves, we we all know that the force of friction is what allows us to move forward Mm. versus, you know, sliding back when we take a step. Mm. So, you know, force of friction is one component of the banked curve. But then we also have um, a horizontal component of the normal force that allows us to keep moving forward. Mm. Um, So that's, you know, that's why they engineer banked curves to have that additional force help us move forward and keep driving mm. um so yeah definitely the highway you know when you walk force of friction um mm. you know maybe doing tug of war with someone mm. maybe thinking about um newton's their law action and reaction forces mm. um when i'm pushing against a wall i don't know why i would be pushing against a wall but maybe i'm doing wall push-ups or something and then that's also action reaction forces um it's not newton's second law that would be newton's third law so second law newton's second law has to do with acceleration so when you have an external net force acting on an object it can accelerate is that the first law first law is more of inertia so an object Um, An object in motion tends to stay in motion and an object at rest tends to stay at rest and it also deals with inertia. Newton's second law has to deal with acceleration and unbalanced forces. Oh, Right? Unbalanced forces, so external forces, you know, pushing an object, driving it to move. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Newton's third law is action and reaction forces. So, you know, for every action force, there's a negative reaction force. So, Mm while the magnitudes of the force are the same we know the acceleration is extremely different depending on the mass of the object Mm. so you know that kind of explains why when you push on the wall wall. you move a lot but the wall doesn't move because Mm. look at its mass compared to the mass of a person's arms pushing on it right Mm. i'm trying to think of some other everyday applications i mean literally Mm -hmm. everything in this room everything is an application of physics really Oh, another one is, you know, if you're spearfishing, you Spe- oh, spearfishing. I casually spearfish <laughs> I mean, out and about, Canadians,
0: we go out yeah. and about, out and boot, and we go spearfishing. Right,
1: not, not that we would just be randomly spearfishing, but, you know, when you're trying to catch something in water, you have to understand that the way it appears isn't its actual location in the water. So we're dealing with refraction and Snell's law now. Um, mm. Yeah, just everything is an Everything is an
0: illusion.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> what do you think about simulation theory? This is a quick question.
1: Simulation theory? Um, do you think
0: we are in a simulation?
1: I personally don't think we're in a simulation. No? Just because that would be really morbid. yeah (laughs) I don't I don't think we're in a simulation though I I'd like to believe we're not in a simulation so you know I'm I'm not going to entertain that possibility I will entertain
0: that possibility you entertain that
1: okay yes right
0: could be every what if well multiverse aside parallel universes all of these could be possibilities Mm
1: -hmm. I mean Mm -hmm. sure why not entertain the possibility but I think for me it would just be devastating if that was true why? I like to think I'm the only version of me, you know, that mm. exists. Mm. I think I first of all, I wouldn't want to see another version of me. Like if I had to look at that I'd like <laughs> ew. Um
0: Well, there are seven doppelgangers in the world oh, that look God. like you. See I, again with the number yeah. seven. Seven this is coming together.
1: Seven. It's all making the sense. The seven
0: conspiracy is coming
1: together.
0: <laughs> but it's true, the seven apparently doppelgangers. I've heard that, yeah.
1: Um, but I apps. just I just it really honestly creeps me out to think that there could be another version of me somewhere out there. So I just
0: living a different possibility of yeah, your life.
1: Yeah, so I just you know why why would I want to entertain that idea? <laughs> yeah. Fair I suppose. Mm-hmm. After exploring more physics
0: and astronomy topics in university, mm-hmm. what topics or phenomena are you curious about right now?
1: Um Definitely for me, dark matter has always been my area of interest. I really find the concept of dark matter interesting and the fact that we know so little about it, yet it dominates everything and it's all throughout the universe and there's way, way, way more dark matter than just regular matter. It's like, we gotta, we gotta, gotta figure out what this is, you know? I find that extremely interesting. Um space travel you know wormholes are also um very interesting time travel i mean we have been able to time travel it's just it was such a small amount of time the quantum computer i incident. Think, yeah exactly yeah. it was it was such a small amount of time that at this level we can't make time travel something commercial and we can't travel back to a place in time like of our own choosing mm. or even that far so but would
0: we even want to do that because that would change no I,
1: everything i don't think that would be a good idea no at all just leave the air of time as it is yeah if we can change it would not be a good idea mm. i don't
0: think so dark matter and dark energy what about mm-hmm. anything Black holes are always interesting.
1: Black holes are definitely super, super interesting. Um, I think also, you know, technology, definitely. The telescopes that we're building now are just incredible. Like, we have, uh, what's it called? I just, I just did a, no, I just did a project on it. And it's the telescope that basically spans the entire Earth. The Event Horizon Telescope. Wait, Um, What? What is that? The Event Horizon Telescope. So we have a bunch of different arrays that are spread all over the universe so that we can use the Earth as our base, the entire Earth as our base. Oh. So it can cover more area. Yeah pretty interesting and we've um we've imaged sgra or i sagittarius a mm. the black or no hole i like don't it. know have we imaged sagittarius a i know we Im- um we have it. the image of m87 like that's mm. the really famous image that we've all seen i don't mm. know if we captured the image of the black hole at the center of the milky way i don't think we've done that yet mm. but with the event horizon telescope we captured that really famous image of mm-hmm. um the light, I think that image is, like, the light, or it captures the event horizon With the of light M87. Yeah. yeah, yeah, light warping around um, the black hole. Yeah, mm. yeah. Very nice. Yeah, so the technology that we're developing is also mm. a really interesting area to go into.
0: And not only that, but physics itself has evolved from just working with equations and hypothesizing things, but now mm-hmm. it's really involved computer science and simulations yeah. and all those kinds of things. So you probably, when you're done with your schooling, you're going to be exposed to so many more fields within physics that did not exist before. Yeah. You know, that, that could, that's very exciting to look forward to.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. All right, so that was all the questions. And now we <laughs> should end off with a fun activity to do live And that would be NASA's astronaut aptitude quiz, which tests your knowledge of physics, your logic, and lastly, how you would react when faced with various life or death scenarios. Are Mm -hmm. you ready?
1: Hopefully. Oh, God.
0: Are there any calculations in this? I don't think so.
1: Okay, good.
0: (laughs) Okay, question number one. If an object is in motion, what kind of energy does it possess?
1: I think that's pretty obvious kinetic energy. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah.
0: What does the C stand for in this famous equation? Charge, carbon, speed of light, or density?
1: Speed of light.
0: Yes. Okay, these are pretty chill. <laughs> what cannot happen oh God. to energy? It can't be destroyed. It can't be destroyed. It can't be transferred. It can't be destroyed. It can't be stored <laughs> or it can't
1: be dissipated. It can't be destroyed. Isn't dissipated kind of like destroyed? Dissipated doesn't mean destroyed though. Okay. It's almost like evaporation, hmm. right?
0: What is a nebula? A young solar system, a cluster of stars, a cloud of dust and gas, or a type of black hole?
1: Um, a cloud of dust and gas. Okay that is correct
0: (laughs) round two now this is logic planet colon mars dash fabric colon flexible denim trousers
1: what what (laughs) what
0: um you're the you want to be an astronaut nasa requires this of you i will repeat the question the
1: fabric of mars so i'm gonna go with flexible because nothing else makes sense
0: That is incorrect. It is denim. denim. What? I don't know.
1: I do not understand that question. Oh, no, I understand it now. Do you?
0: A type of planet is Mars. A type of fabric is denim.
1: What?
0: A type of fabric is denim. They don't relate to each other, but it's showing you the pattern of what the thing is.
1: Okay. Get it? Get it? Yes.
0: Infancy is to nursery as adolescence is to youth, high school, teenager
1: oh god what the hell
0: (laughs) okay infancy is to nursery as adolescence is to blank
1: i mean infancy goes along with nursery because as an infant you have to be nursed as adolescence is to high school i would say
0: i would say that too yeah Yeah. that's right yeah so so far you've got all of them right we're at number Mm -hmm. seven threatening colon growl blank colon rainbow
1: okay so a growl is threatening a rainbow is colorful
0: i think right? i would say that too yeah that's yeah. right this nice is very interesting yeah it's a it's logical testing medicine colon illness and now we have three so possibilities this is study
1: it's like a topic of study within medicine
0: yes huh yes Medicine thirst,
1: love, treason.
0: So law, colon, anarchy, hunger, colon, thirst, love, colon, treason.
1: Illness leads to the use of medicine. Mm -hmm. Anarchy leads to the use of law or to the need or what Mm -hmm. am I trying to say? If there's anarchy, you require a law then Mm -hmm. to settle that.
0: Yes, correct. Round three, psychological screening. You discover a fire on board the space station. What's the first thing that you do? 1. You grab your oxygen mask. 2. Call mission control. 3. Try to extinguish the fire or 4. Sound the alarm and leave.
1: I think you'd try to extinguish the fire at first. So and that's this- your
0: answer. It's-
1: I mean, what do you think? No, that's your answer. I can't influence you. You can influence me. I mean... I would
0: personally say grab the oxygen mask because you need to be alive and then you would call
1: mission control. Yeah, but I mean... If you try to extinguish the fire. If you're in a fire for a prolonged amount of time, that's when, you know, all the carbon monoxide gets to you and you can get poisoned like when the smoke is poison or Mm. what am I talking about when the smoke is toxic but if a fire just starts you better put it out as soon as possible so that Mm. that doesn't happen
0: no I'm just trying to see the parallel in airplanes whenever there's a thing you always wear the oxygen mask because you're gonna faint. not only you're in space bro think about it you're in space and there could be a leak somewhere and then you need that oxygen because you're running out of oxygen
1: I think you would try to extinguish Extinguish the fire fire, okay we're gonna go with that
0: that's wrong. What? Oh, the answer was sound the alarm, the alarm and, and leave.
1: leave. Sound the alarm and leave where? That's a good
0: question. Leave I guess it's a
1: different area. Like, obviously, there are doors that will close okay. and, like, you know. I
0: thought leave, like, the whole area, but not, okay. Huh? <laughs> You're trapped in a lift with 10 strangers. People are starting to get panicked. What should you do? One, see if you can work out a logical way to get everyone out the lift. Two, close your eyes and stay calm. Help is coming. 3. Attempt to calm down the people who are most distressed. 4. Start screaming loud. I think it
1: would be 3. Attempt to calm down the people who are most distressed.
0: Okay, we shall check. And that's correct. Yeah. I would have said the same as well. <laughs> okay, 11. During a mission to the moon, you and your crew crash land 200 miles away from the mothership. <laughs> mothership. To, the mothership of Russia. You have to walk there. Apart from your oxygen tank, what's the most important thing to take with you? One, a box of matches, two, signal flares, mm. three, 20 liters of water, or four, first aid kit. I mean, mm. 200 miles away.
1: That's really far. It's
0: signal flares,
1: 100%. But also water. water. I think, mm. but how? That's hmm. From your
0: oxygen tank. So this comes to us being out there for a long time or us getting rescued fast by it's using not, a signal It's not not
1: a box of matches.
0: Definitely not that.
1: Definitely one. not that. I mm, I think it might be 20 liters of water because okay. in this scenario you have to think about the most immediate threat to you and water mm. is the biggest threat, mm-hmm. I think. But then again, I feel like it's either that or maybe signal flare. That's true. Okay. Water, yeah.
0: That is true. Okay. You've discovered alien life on Mars and brought a sample back to the ship. What should you do next? One, send it oh, back this down is to so, Earth.
1: This is so easy, I think.
0: Okay, well, number one, send it back down <laughs> to Earth so it can be tested in a laboratory. Two, isolate it, ensuring it has no contact with the crew. Three, immediately begin tests. Or four, call mission control.
1: I think you would need to isolate it as your first step. Definitely isolate it. And then call mission control. I don't know.
0: Yep. Okay, yeah. <laughs> You're right. Round 4, NASA general knowledge. Which NASA space shuttle exploded 73 si- mm. 73 seconds into its flight? I think
1: that was Challenger. Killing
0: all the astronauts on board.
1: I'm pretty sure that was the Challenger. The
0: Challenger. Will you challenge that answer? Oh, we'll see. And that is okay, correct. I, <laughs> awesome.
1: I remember I've I've seen the video of it and it's just absolutely devastating. That's yeah. that I think seeing that videos what kind of scared me about becoming Mm. an astronaut at first yeah well it is a possibility so Hmm.
0: which was the first apollo mission to successfully land on the moon apollo 10 apollo 11 apollo 12 or apollo (sighs)
1: 13 this is definitely something i should know (laughs) i'm gonna go with apollo 13 i posted this on my story did you
0: yeah is it apollo 13 uh well is that your final answer maybe
1: it's apollo 10 I don't know. Apollo 11? <laughs> no, wait. Apollo 13?
0: 13? I don't
1: know. It's 11, I know. It's 11. It was
0: on my story. I'm
1: sorry. This I
0: showed is... you. I took a photo of the Apollo 11. As an astronomy
1: it. student, I probably should know that. <laughs> all right.
0: So, well, you're before the last question. I mean, I think you've got all of them right except for two. So, we'll yeah. see. <laughs> what is NASA's motto for tomorrow's future to infinity and beyond? For the benefit of all, or onwards and upwards? I feel
1: like it's onwards and upwards. Okay. I mean, that sounds right to me. Isn't
0: to infinity and beyond buzz Lightyear. Light
1: <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not to infinity and beyond. It's not for the benefit <laughs> of all. To infinity
0: and beyond.
1: I think it's onwards and upwards.
0: And that is incorrect. It is <gasps> for, for the, the benefit, benefit
1: of, of all. Huh. Wow. I did not think it was that one, did you? Me neither, no. That's insane.
0: Actually, maybe. Uh, I thought onwards and upwards, which Yeah, cool. it sounded
1: kind of right.
0: Last question How many astronauts can live on the International Space Station at once? Six, 10, 15, 20. I think
1: it's 15. I think. Hmm. I'm scared. Does
0: this include the Soviet side, right? There's the American side and the Soviet side.
1: I'm not a, sure. A Russian
0: side. Okay, so 15?
1: I think
0: it's fi- Six six no yeah okay okay let's look at the results you got 11 out of 16 congratulations you have what it takes to be an astronaut with a bit of training Mm -hmm. you'd make a worthy addition to the international space station wow
1: thank you yay
0: (laughs) so now we (laughs) know
1: you're,
0: you're set for being an astronaut right Alrighty, well, thank you very much for being my guest, Miss Martine Campbell. (laughs) It's been an out-of-this-world experience talking Mm. to you. So I have one last question for you. Why did the sun never go to college?
1: Let me think about that. Because it already has a million degrees! Okay.
0: (laughs) People always cheat on this question, but okay, I'll give that to you. That is is correct. Okay. So that is time, everyone. I'm Yasmin. It's 1 a.m., And now, get out of my space. Should we end off with?
1: (laughs) Yes. May May the the force be be with with you. Bye.
0: Bye. To end this special segment off, I think it's important to thank past physicists for all the work that they've done. And a good way to showcase this gratitude is through a very famous physicist, Carl Sagan's rendition of the Pale Blue Dot excerpt. So I'll just read it and hopefully enjoy. Look again at that dot. That's here. That's home. That's us. On it, everyone you love, everyone you know, everyone you ever heard of, every human being who ever was, lived out their lives. The aggregate of our joy and suffering, thousands of confident religions, ideologies, and economic doctrines every hunter and forager, every hero and coward, every creator and destroyer of civilization, every king and peasant, every young couple in love, every mother and father, hopeful child, inventor and explorer, every teacher of morals, every corrupt politician, every superstar, every supreme leader, every saint and sinner in the history of our species lived there on a moat of dust, suspended in a sunbeam. The earth is a very small stage in a vast cosmic arena. Think of the endless cruelties visited by the inhabitants of one corner of this pixel on the scarcely distinguishable inhabitants of some other corner. How frequent their misunderstandings, how eager they are to kill one another, how fervent their hatreds. Think of the rivers of blood spilled by all those generals and emperors, so that in glory and triumph they could become the momentary masters of a fraction of a dot. Our posturings, our imagined self-importance, the delusion that we have some privileged position in the universe, are challenged by this point of pale light. Our planet is a lonely speck in the great enveloping cosmic dark. In our obscurity, in all this vastness, there is no hint that help will come from elsewhere to save us from ourselves. The earth is the only world known so far to harbor life. There is nowhere else, at least in the near future, to which our species could migrate. Visit, yes. Settle, not yet. Like it or not, for the moment, the Earth is where we make our stand. It has been said that astronomy is humbling and character-building experience. There is perhaps no better demonstration of the folly of human conceits than this distant image of our tiny world, To me, it underscores our responsibility to deal more kindly with one another and to preserve and cherish the pale blue dot, the only home we've ever known. Carl Sagan, pale blue dot from a vision of the human future in space. Thank you and cherish the pale blue dot, the only home we've ever known.